My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising. And have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out, and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them, until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Catholic biblical scholar by the name of Jeff Cavins offers his reflections on the scriptures heard at daily mass. And this past Friday, his thoughts were on the importance of evangelization, how essential it is for Catholic Christians to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the rest of the world, which we know as the Great Commission, Jesus' final command at his ascension to disciples every day and age. So as Jeff was given his various ways and examples of how this is accomplished, he shared how curiosity got to him. He had heard about this computer-generated artificial intelligence thing called ChatGPT. And for those who don't know what ChatGPT or artificial intelligence is, think of it as Google on steroids. You can ask it something pretty direct and specific, and it combs through the internet and spits out a fairly specific and direct answer to your question in a matter of seconds. So Jeff experimented with this and he said, I wanted to see what chat GPT would answer to my question. How do we evangelize the whole world for Jesus? As he continued, it was pretty good until the last statement, but it had to get a woke comment in at the end. It said, evangelizing the whole world for Jesus 
involves sharing his teachings with others, demonstrating love and compassion, living a life that reflects Christian values, engage in open conversations, build relationships, and be a positive example of faith. And then it added, remember, respect for diverse beliefs is crucial in these discussions. I laughed at Jeff kind of losing it at that point, mainly because it's nice hearing someone of that stature and education having the same reaction that I've had. Because what does that mean? Respect for diverse beliefs is crucial. It's so general and vague and open to interpretation that you can have very different interpretations, which the programmers of ChatGPT and the promoters of that statement know and use to significant effect. Because sadly for most Christians, they've heard that as a demand to, to keep your faith to yourself. And even more sadly, too many of us have gone along with that. Maybe it's okay to, to do things for poor people as a Christian group, maybe. But let's be really careful about sharing anything about Jesus. Do you know who was never respectful of diverse beliefs? King Herod. And we see that in this familiar story from the gospel of the wise men, the magi arriving from the east arriving in Jerusalem, looking for Jesus. King Herod knew he wasn't the legitimate king of the Jews. At best, he was a stooge who worked out an arrangement with the Roman Empire. Herod called himself Jewish, even though he had no respect for the Jewish scriptures or the, or the law, or even for God himself. He did some things to try to appease his, his fellow Jews. And the Romans would let him rule as he would make sure that the Jews paid their taxes to the empire and their allegiance to the empire was maintained. So Jerusalem had become a shell of the kingdom that God had made them in previous generations. And those who were faithful Jews, who remained faithful to that day and age, knew it. Herod would eliminate any perceived threats to his power. He killed political opponents, including even family members. So when these foreign visitors come to town asking about a new king of the Jews, that definitely gets Herod's attention. He immediately sees it as a threat to his status, not to mention his pride, his ego, and his lust. So he lies to the Magi saying he too wants to meet the newborn king. And when the Magi don't return to Herod, his reaction is to kill every male two years and younger born in the kingdom. That's how respectful to diverse beliefs Herod is. In fairness, Herod might be a tyrant. Well, he was a tyrant. And he might be insane, but he's honest. He realizes that Jesus is a threat, as much as light is to darkness. There is no way for these competing realities to, as our bumper sticker ideologues like to pretend they advocate for, to coexist. Light and darkness can't coexist. Light, love and hate can't respect one another. Herod recognizes that. Herod knows it's a threat and he shows us in his diabolical reaction what is truly in his mind and his heart. Ironically, 
the one who is the most respectful of diverse beliefs and doesn't have to be is God himself. That's what the gift of freedom is all about. We have a choice to accept him or not. That reality is very much highlighted throughout the Christmas story. Jesus' entry into the world is as unassuming and humble as possible. Jesus doesn't arrive with legions of armed forces, but as a helpless child born to a virgin in a cave. The announcement of his arrival came in prophecies made centuries earlier, and then with this tremendous, mysterious, cosmic sign in the night skies. God is so respectful of our freedom that he allows people to find him if they want to, but he doesn't impose himself. It's when someone starts to recognize that something's missing in their lives. Something is wrong with life itself. Once they have an an honest assessment of our limitation as a human being, acknowledging that those somethings are more extensive than anything we can repair on our own, that's what leads to seeking. Does someone have an answer to what's missing, an antidote to all that is wrong that can make up for what I'm limited by? And that's what first causes the Magi to look up, to look out, and to see a light. The Magi, or the wise men, were learned of many things of the world. They were philosophers, astronomers, astrologers. They had figured out many answers to many questions that plague every human being. But still there was this this inner longing and restlessness that caused them to keep thinking, keep looking out, keep seeking. And then this mysterious light, which is often label a star, but it could have been a comet, it could have been a collection of stars, whatever it was, this supernatural phenomenon captures their attention and makes them set out in pursuit of what it would have taken them months, maybe even years to pursue. That's how committed they were to wanting to see what this incredible sight in the heavens was trying to reveal. It draws these men who were not Jews themselves to encounter the fulfillment of all those Jewish prophecies of the Messiah and leads them to Jesus. And what happens after that encounter? Their horizons have expanded. Their very lives have been changed. Had they simply been interested in respect for diverse beliefs and getting along with the powers and authorities of the world, what better leverage would they have had than to return to Herod and use this to their advantage. But even though he hadn't preached a single word or performed any miraculous sign yet, in meeting Jesus, who is love incarnate, who is the personification of truth itself, the Magi recognize things are changing and they have to change too. They reject these worldly powers and authority and they depart for their country in another way. That's the reminder this great Christmas feast of Epiphany highlights for us. We who have been baptized, who receive Jesus' very body and blood, soul and divinity, as real and present in that Eucharistic host as he was in the lap of the Virgin Mary. We're meant to be that light, to be that star 
to a darkened world. We're to radiate the life and the love of Jesus Christ in all that we say and do and be unafraid in testifying the reason for our joy. We evangelize not out of a desire for power or popularity or prestige that comes from having a greater number of members. Rather, because we believe it's a matter of life and death. If we recognize the darkness of the world and the devastation that sin and evil inflict on us, on one another, and if we genuinely believe that there's a light to that darkness, there's a remedy to that damage, then wouldn't the greatest respect we can show to those suffering who remain unaware of the way out is to tell them? On this solemnity of the Epiphany, may we be the wise men and women who are attentive to that, that restlessness for God, who seek and who find in Jesus Christ at this holy sacrifice of the Mass, and then to leave here with humility and faith, becoming stars which go before men and women, pointing out to them the right path in life.